Hello, 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 everybody. Um, welcome to the Five Star Movie Podcast, a podcast from two guys that have their family refer, refer to them as Big Daddy. Uh, and also sometimes, please. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> I wish I got that kind of respect around my house. Uh, <laughs> uh, I, am, I am Ryan Hurley, and I'm here, as always, with my esteemed co-host. Uh, Sam Wolf Cool is here. Uh, I want you to know that I watched Michael Clayton this week, and there's some really good quotes that are going to be great for our opening to that Oscars pod. Good. I, I'm hoping that it'll give me something to do is like, uh, you know, we do blah, 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 and sometimes watch movies. Uh. <laughs> you're just, just going to be like, uh, we're the guys. We're not the guys you kill. We're the guys you buy. <laughs> I can always uh, I can always go two in, in the other direction and do through the aviator and just be like we always are reclusive or like always check all the bolts on the plane before flying and also sometimes watch movies we always watch three-hour movies and we sometimes have a life yeah uh, the second one not so much <laughs> <laughs> uh today we're we're coming to you after after a marathon pixar draft we're coming to you with uh, another installment in our Oscars series, um, the 2004 ceremony, and um, for the 2003 year in Oscar or three, 2003 year in movies. Woo, that was tough to get out. Um, so we'll be going through that momentarily. But um, first, what have you been watching lately, Wolf? I've watched a lot of fun movies lately. Like last night, I watched Anaconda. Movie's awesome, uh, <laughs> but. Uh, I watched three 2020 releases since we last uh, spoke, and I liked all of them, like on varying levels. I really liked Palm Springs, which is kind of like mm-hmm. a like a Groundhog Day esque movie that I think does a lot of things a little differently than Groundhog Day. Uh, I loved it. Uh, the The scene I liked the most is definitely when uh, you can tell Andy Samberg like lost it, and he literally is like repeating the conversation to his girlfriend like as she's saying it. I lost it during that part. <laughs> I also like the I, I watched it too and I also like the bit where they there's the bomb in the cake and then he like goes and he takes it out and he shoots it up with the arrow. <laughs> yeah, I thought that movie was a lot of fun too. And then I also watched Greyhound, which like if you're someone who's always wanted to watch a war movie, but like you always thought they were too long and too slow, then great your Greyhound's perfect for you. Cause it's like a ninety minute fast pace. He's just trying to get across the stretch of water, not getting killed by some U-boats. It's pretty good. And then I watched this Shutter original movie, Beach House, which was kind of like an ode to like the old school like monster movies, where basically like these like kids, two like kids like right out of college, basically go to like a beach house. You get the gist, and basically, like uh, they're on the water, and like weird stuff starts happening with the water, and there's like a mon- there's like like monsters. It's like one of those like environmental like monstery movies. I thought it was good, it, you know. Didn't wear out. It's welcome. I uh, I'm not gonna lie. I I didn't realize that a Shutter original existed. I didn't realize mm-hmm. those were things. <laughs> I don't know if they like. I don't think they produced it. I'm pretty sure it premiered at like a like the Brooklyn Horror Festival, and they just bought it. That makes sense. I mean, that's with something like Shudder, you know, it can probably, I bet that movie was pretty cheap for them. And like, mm-hmm. you know, if you're a horror fan, you know, like you are, it's, that's just easy pickings. Yeah, it was nice. I, I think it's one, like, 
I think it's a movie I might appreciate more if I like go back and like watch the movies it's based on. Because I haven't seen a lot of like old monster movies per se. I, 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 that's not really my kind of horror. I prefer like the like psycho killer horror movies, like slasher stuff. Yeah. Oh my my roommate I this week this isn't what I've been watching but my roommate um this week uh flipped on Texas Chainsaw Massacre amazing movie watching it yeah he enjoyed it I wasn't in the room for much of it but he enjoyed oh it oh my gosh that movie's that movie's incredible I watched that by myself in my apartment and like the, there's something about the way that movie does sound where like you feel like the sound is happening like all around you so like every time something would happen I would like look around me. There's some really like famous shots in that movie. I highly recommend that movie. The poor woman that's the lead too. I feel like she's just screaming the last like twenty minutes of the movie too. <laughs> oh man, God, that movie's amazing. That movie would never work today because no one would believe that anyone would ever pick up a hitchhiker. <laughs> yeah, that's not really like uh, not really as prominent now. No. If somebody told me they picked up a hitchhiker, I would be like, "Fucking why? Why did talk- you do that?" The hitchhiker, like, pulls a knife and starts, like, cutting himself. It's a whole thing. Oh, my God. <laughs> uh, you should watch them. I know you haven't seen a lot of horror movies, but that's a good one to kind of, like, wet your beak with. I I definitely, even though I'm not a big horror guy, I definitely feel like that's one I do have to watch because it's sort of like a, I know it's at least, like, a big one in the horror genre. Mm-hmm. Um, so so this week, for me, um, I was I was not watching much horror i uh i watched as i as i said before uh palm springs from this year uh me and my roommate also watched the movie bloodshot which Mm. i uh enjoyed considerably less than palm springs um it's really stupid um and vin diesel is is hardly the main character in the movie so it's just this really confusing watch uh don't recommend it Oh, I'll pass. Yeah, yeah. I don't think you have to feel bad about that at all. Um, <laughs> the movie I would recommend, though, uh, is I watched Kramer vs. Kramer over the last week. Um, and I had not seen this before. And um, I'm a big fan of, like, Marriage Story. And I, uh, I felt like this was probably a movie I was going to love if I saw it. And, uh, oh, gee, what a surprise. I did love the movie. So, oh, you know, there's a big recommendation. <laughs> That's a great movie. I I, uh, I I threw that movie on one night because I owned I bought the DVD like a long time ago because I found it for cheap, and uh, I threw it on one night. My girlfriend immediately like fell asleep, and I set the like into into Kramer Kramer versus Kramer pretty much the whole time. Like the the court the courtroom scene is really like like Meryl won an Oscar for it. And I remember like halfway through I was like she's not even in this movie, yeah. and then she does the courtroom scene. And the scene at the end, and you're like, "Oh my god, there's no re- there's a reason this woman became like the best actor like ever." Yeah, seriously. Like, I agree. Like, Meryl is like barely in the movie, which you know, uh, in hindsight, I think is probably like an issue with the movie. But uh, the scenes that she is in, she's great because even like the opening scene too is really emotional. And I don't know like how many. Mm-hmm actresses would have been able to like do some of those scenes so well because um the movie like i i I feel like the movie in some ways wants you to like dislike her um but i don't just because she's so good at like bringing humanity to that character and then of course dustin hoffman's great with the kid too (laughs) 
Do you want to know a piece of trivia from that movie? You might have read this. I don't know if you went to IMDb afterwards. I'll absolutely hear it. I'm definitely down. So you know the scene where they like meet at, at like the pizza parlor and they're like they have like a drink together. Apparently, only the cameraman and Dustin Hoffman knew that he was going to throw the wine glass at the wall. Oh. <laughs> so that was like Meryl Streep's like genuine reaction. It sounds like Meryl kind of went through hell because Dustin Hoffman's kind of an asshole. Yeah. Uh, I do like in, in, in scenarios like that where, you know, like there's, there's two different types of, of, you know, ways you can surprise actors, you know, or like manipulate actors into giving a better performance, you know, like there's stuff like that or like um, in Die Hard when they, you've seen Die Hard, right? No. Oh, I'll, I'll get I don't there. I don't want to spoil anything for you. Some, somebody, somebody falls, and they when they told the actor that they were going to fall, they told them that they were going to drop them on three, but they wanted a surprised reaction from the actor. So instead, they dropped them on two, and the shot that you see of them falling, they look like really surprised uh, because they dropped them on two. And like, oh you know, like, that's a smart thing to do, but then like you have... Stanley Kubrick, like basically emotionally abusing Shelley Duvall throughout the entirety of the The Shining set, like yeah, I don't, I don't think that that's a good way to go. That movie was shot in sequence. That's that's insane. Yeah, <laughs> I feel I feel so bad for her on that movie. She like apparently like she went from that to Popeye. So I wonder. I got to see that movie now. She must have just been like absolutely traumatized from that i couldn't imagine i agree um i agree we should we should just watch that movie and talk about it just for fun on the spot just because i'm definitely down that's probably a movie club coming up in the future why not i love that movie <laughs> do you uh, have a quick question for us this week oh i do oh i do what do you think would be the first movie that you see in theaters and when this question was stolen from twitter so I think the first movie that I will see in the theaters is probably Tenet, just because everybody in the film industry seems to be afraid to like put their foot on that like day that they think is going to be the first day, except for Christopher Nolan, who's like, we are reopening theaters with Tenet. Um, as far as when, I have no idea. Like, uh, my birthday's in October, and like I just hope I can see a movie by my birthday. But I just have no idea because, like, in LA, you know, things were things have been going backwards and not forwards as far as like as far as stuff we can do. So I just really have no idea even when. <laughs> yeah, I could theoretically go to the theater really whenever I want at this point in Wisconsin. But there's not really anything like new to see. But I, I, did you see that report by the way? Where they apparently Tenant needs to make eight hundred million dollars worldwide to break even. Oh my god! See, this how, is I. I have how a did that even get made? This is like studios. Studios keep doing like the stupid thing that I think now, just based off of like this horrible thing that's happening to us in uh, in the world, but like it was heading this way anyway, where they've, they've been sinking so much money into their big movies that make them money that 
like it's kind of getting impossible for them to keep doing that. You know, like Avengers Endgame, they broke the box office record for that movie because they had to in order to like make a profit from it, which is just idiotic. If you're talking about like, you know, you can speak to this better than I can, but you know, you would think like smart being smart business wise would, you know, be diversifying and making sure you're making money from a lot of different avenues as opposed to like all your revenue from three movies. I mean, it definitely is, but also with like the film industry, I feel like so many people are content, like seeing those like middle of the road movies that probably could use maybe 10 million more dollars, just like at home on Netflix while people only feel like they need to go to the theater to see like the newest Avengers movie. So like, I get why they pour all their money into it, but like, I don't understand how you, why in, you know, in this day and age, you would even make a movie that costs that much money. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, no. Who's going, like, no one's really, like, it's not like people were flooding theaters six months ago anyway. Yeah, exactly. Like, box office has been steadily going down as it, as it was. And then now you add, like, a health risk on top of it. Yeah. I just don't see how this model works anymore, you know? I agree. Uh, you know, I probably will see Tenet first, and I feel like we'll get it maybe around Thanksgiving. But there's a part of me that I feel like Disney might pull a Disney and, like, release Mulan into the world in, like, August. I could see that. You know what? I feel like Mulan maybe gets, like, an international release at least before Tenet. I wasn't going to see Mulan. I was all set on not seeing this movie, but now it's like, well, crap. <laughs> now you might have I had no to. Interest. No interest in Mulan, but now I'm like, you know, if it's, you know, if it's out, I might as well see something. You going to see that unhinged movie with Russell Crowe? No, sadly. We've had a, we've had a, a Russell Crowe kind of month here, though. We've been watching a lot of Russell for this. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm, I try to, like... He just hasn't aged well. Him and like Mel, I've been watching some. I've been watching. I like finished the Mad Max, all those movies, and like him and like Mel Gibson just kind of like make yeah. movies for money at this point. Mel, Mel Gibson, just like an insane anti semite, and then like Russell Crowe is just kind of like fat. <laughs> I kind of feel bad for Russell Crowe. I don't feel bad for Mel Gibson. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Mel Gibson, in all honesty, like, I've never seen Braveheart, full disclosure, but, like, he's just not a very good actor. He's not asked to do anything in Mad Max besides grunt a few times and, like, look fit. Yeah, like, his, his, he's just crazy, you know? Like, he's just crazy in every movie. You know, I, I like Lethal, him and Lethal Weapon. You watch all four? What's that? Have you seen all four? I have. Oh, hell yeah. They're, they, they're sort of like the Rocky franchise. They just increasingly become like more of a meme the further you go. But like he's just like kind of a crazy Vietnam vet in that. And then, like you said, Braveheart, he's just like a crazy, uh, a crazy Scotsman in that. Like, and then you find out in real life, Mel Gibson just actually is crazy. Yeah, I mean, he, like, literally got the part in Mad Max because he, like, showed up for some reason on set with, like, a black eye from a bar fight. Yeah. George Miller, like, loved it. <laughs> Isn't that hilarious? Yeah. <laughs> Good on George Miller, though, at least. 
<laughs> George Miller's the go. I love that guy. Yeah, all, all props to George Miller. Should we get into our we dive in? Yeah, let's do it. So, um, in no particular order here, the movies that we had uh, to choose from were Lost in Translation, uh, Lord of the Rings: The Return of the King, Master and Commander: The Far Side of the World, Mystic River, and Sea Biscuit. Um, we've ranked these in our own ranking, five to one. We're going to start with five. And you want to tell the folks what number five is for us, Wolf? Our, our number five was a pretty unanimous Seabiscuit, uh, which is, you know, it's one of those movies. This movie made me realize that, like, a movie doesn't have to not be, like, great just because it has things that are bad about it. But it just has things that just aren't great about it. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a little boring. It, it drags quite a bit. It really drags. I, I, I see we're going to talk about that. It really drags. But, uh, yeah. you know, it's a nice little movie. It, it's really well made, really well acted. You can see, like, there's, like, care put into it. And I didn't, like, hate the script. I thought everything was, like, pretty good about it. The only part of the script I hated is I hated, just, just hated the amount of times either Chris Cooper or Jeff Bridges would say something. And then they would pause and you'd realize, oh, you know what? That's, like, a metaphor for every single character in this movie. Wow. Yeah. That really just just rubbed me the wrong way. And also, verbal meme. Want to want to see my verbal meme? You know that one where they like put their hands together, they like crush them really close. My verbal meme is Chris Cooper seeing a horse, and then me seeing Jeff Bridges in this movie, and both of us going, "God damn!" <laughs> <laughs> Chris Cooper, I Chris Cooper has has big horse girl energy in this movie. <laughs> <laughs> His opening scene when he's like, when he's like wrangling up the horses, I'm like, this movie's gonna kind of rock. I think. <laughs> he's he's just like, ain't no good throwing a life away just because he's a little beat up. And then oh, he, that's like Tobey Maguire's character. Yeah, yeah. It, this the the scene where Sea uh, Biscuits fighting off the trainers and Chris Cooper's watching him. And then he turns and he sees Tobey Maguire fighting off the other like stable boys. And he's like, you just see him turn between the two and you're like, oh my God, seriously? <laughs> yeah, this is a, um, there's probably about an hour 45 uh, version of this movie that is just like a kick-ass sports movie. And then the other 40 minutes of this is what makes it an Oscars movie, I feel like. Um but you know, I I don't hate this movie. It's just like oh. this is the a beautiful mind syndrome uh, award winner here because it's just kind of boring. It doesn't really, um, it doesn't really like keep your interest that much. And in the grand scheme of things, I think this is a pretty like easily forgettable Oscar nominee. Um, and uh, so I guess. We'll keep it quick on this one. Did the narration kind of throw you off? I mean, I, it made it made it feel like a documentary to me in good and bad ways. I think I I think I actually liked this narration because it like wasn't one of the characters like telling you about it. It was just like an, another voice, which uh, it didn't really hurt it as much for me as like normally like in Rounders when Matt Damon is explaining everything to you and you're like, shut up, it's a movie, I can watch it. Yeah, that's true. It it at the very least didn't have the like uh record scratch and like the screen stops and it's like 
I bet you're wondering how I got here, you know, yeah. sort of thing, feel like. And it reminded me of, it made me think about the book that this is based off of. So, you know, maybe that the, it made me want to read the book, which is maybe not an endorsement of this movie, but, um, you know, it's the choice they went with. And his voice was cool. So, <laughs> yeah. I think he's the guy from the Ken Burns documentaries. Uh, so I have a I, I have a big question to ask you of this movie. Um, so this to me like feels like there's just a really long prologue and like epilogue on this movie. Like, and, and especially feels like that because to me the movie peaked with the War Admiral race. Is, did that happen with you as well? Yeah, I don't. I, I literally like thought it was the final race, and I was like, I wonder, is there is there twenty five minutes of credits? But like, I thought it was done because it was such a perfect ending. Like, I didn't need to see the horse getting hurt and, like, Toby being a little moody. And then, like, the horse comes back and wins again. And it's like, well, we just had this. Like, I feel like I didn't need one more scene of this. I didn't need, like, I, I guess I didn't need, like, Toby to get his moment. It, it was kind of like if, like, remember the Titans ended with the guy that got, uh, paralyzed getting unparalyzed and winning a college football game yeah absolutely yeah it, it felt so tacked on to me too it it literally like the moment where they w- win the war admiral race too like it's like going through all the beats of like what the end of a movie is mm-hmm. or like what the end of a sports movie is and then yeah it just keeps going and i, I was like sitting there like you're fucking kidding me right like <laughs> <laughs> 20 more minutes like i wasn't hating the movie but i was just like oh we're we are still going you know like i was ready to give it four stars i was like this is kind of fun yeah and then it had 20 more minutes um but i was thrilled that we got yet one more shot of george wolf and toby mcguire talking to each other while they're racing horses oh my god <laughs> five bucks says you don't or something like that uh, whatever you keep saying it's like aren't you guys going like 60 miles an hour right now like what are you talking how can you hear each other yeah yeah seriously it's a it's a thing of um i always like to say this about about uh in in diners drive-ins and dives how Love it begins and you know how it begins and ends with guy in the in the car and he's yelling at the camera and he's like, today we're trying to find the best diners, drive-ins, and dives in Austin, Texas. I love but that freaking show. If you if you like know anything about like onset like sound, you know that the wind is just whipping into whatever microphone he has. So all you would hear if, if that was his actual audio is just like <laughs> and that's like the same thing there where he's he's like Toby, Toby's like, hey, Georgie. And it's like, you would, you would at best be like screaming to hear that guy. <laughs> George, George Wolf seemed to just like, he always has a horse. I, oh, the one thing we have to talk about with Seabiscuit, William H. Macy. Unbelievable oh, yeah. job. He's, he's still Unbelievable. <laughs> he is batting. The, he is like, he's, he's like 15 from 15 from three, and three of those shots are from half court. And by the way, he's making all the sound effects in the stadium while he's doing it. <laughs> Where is his best supporting actor nomination? Do we really need Alec Baldwin for something called The Cooler? I've n- I, the Cooler. I've never even heard of the goddamn Cooler. 
William H Macy got a Golden Globe nomination. Fun fact. I uh, I love that. I wish they should would have pushed for William H Macy a little bit more in this. He was so good. Chris Cooper was good too. Uh, well, I don't know if Chris Cooper was good or if I just really enjoyed how dialed up he was the entire time. Warning. Your jockey's too big for this horse. He's blind in one eye. <laughs> Do you want Chris a Cooper. jockey that lies? <laughs> you got the added like southern accent this time too. It was like warning. <laughs> Your horse is too small. <laughs> I like Chris Cooper though. <laughs> I don't know. War, War Admiral's eighteen hands tall. Toby McGuire, eighteen hands. <laughs> I'm I'm literally sitting there like what the fuck is it? like I'm like I'm like hands like, yeah. I'm like whose hands are we measuring by? <laughs> I think um, so so one thing I I've heard of this director before. Um, it's a gentleman by the name of Gary Ross, I believe, and oh, yeah, I was uh, so that's what I want to talk about. I feel like. I'm kind of stepping on our nominations here, but he did not get a a Best Director nomination, even though this got a lot of nominations as a movie. And so his other movies, I feel like, don't fit as much of this. You have Pleasantville before this. After this, you have The Hunger Games, Free State of Jones, and Ocean's 8. What the hell, like, movies does this guy want to make? I don't understand. Hunger Games is a movie that I don't think is very good, but like I've seen that movie like ten times. I like really, really enjoy watching. There's something about that movie I just like really like watching. But like, there's also like a reason he he got the rest of the movies taken away from him. Yeah, yeah, no, like I I don't know how he like kind of messed up that the Hunger Games, the first Hunger Games movie, because the book is so like compelling. But he did, and I I don't understand. He like, it it almost feels like he was like really true to the book, but then he would just like skip a bunch of pages and just like keep going. So like a lot of the character development was kind of gone. Where like a lot of movies, yeah. like The Shining, they like they kind of like make it their own while still keeping the nature of the book. And he also just like I don't think he was given the right amount of money because the CGI was just just off. In yeah, the games. The look of that movie was not great. <laughs> and the shaky cam. The shaky oh. cam was so bad, too. Uh, yeah, it, you know, I, like, really built up in my head how much I hated the, sh- the shaky cam, and I rewatched Hunger Games, like, a week, like, two weeks ago. And it's definitely not as bad as I remember, but it's still, like, man, this was so, this should have been really cool. <laughs> You're just like, why? Yeah. So we're sitting here, and we're kind of, like, slamming on him. Uh, let's just get into it. So, so there's seven nominations, zero wins. None is for him. Um, and, and none is for him as a director. Seven nominations and not not one as the director. I feel like that's the Academy being like, "Eh, you made a good movie. We like your movie, buddy." But you know, yeah. we just don't think you're that great. <laughs> Can I say one more thing about him? Uh, very bold to you know make an ocean another oceans movie. Yeah, that's seriously. Like, that's uh, that's a. I don't know if I would do that to myself after Soderbergh like so masterfully did the other three. Yeah, that would not be that would not be the first thing I would do after I made Free State of Jones. <laughs> yeah. Well, anyway, seven nominations, zero wins. I think that's fair. There's not like an Oscar. Like she basically didn't do something where I was like, ooh, you know what? The costuming was really good or something like that. It was just like a movie. It was nice. I feel like that's a movie you could like 
show your kids when they're getting a little more mature because Toby, Magu- Toby Maguire says shit a couple times. So. Yeah. Yeah, no. Like, the the category that we've kind of highlighted here is the best adapted screenplay. So it's uh, Walsh, Boyens, and, and Peter Jackson for Lord of the Rings. Um, Pulsini and Springer Berman for American Splendor. Um, boy, I can't pronounce his name, but the writer of City of God. Uh, Brian Helgeland for Mystic River and then Gary Ross for this movie. And like, I feel like that's, that's probably the most major nomination that this movie got uh, other than cinematography. And like, even that one, I don't, I don't think it even had a shot of winning. No. And and I, I don't, I, I think you, I don't think it has much of a shot at, at adapted screenplay, especially when you're up against like a Lord of the Rings movie. And then even Mystic River is like, a, a, I can't wait to talk about that movie. Yeah. Like just all, all, you know, this is like a fine movie, but just all those other ones are, are just working on a lot higher of a level. And so it just makes this movie kind of boring to talk about. And it's an We're okay sports it. movie. We are <laughs> it's talking- an okay movie. I'll probably see it. I'll probably see it again someday, but I I don't think I'll seek it out. Yeah. Yeah, no. I don't think I'll be I don't think I'll be paying for it ever again, at least. <laughs> it was solid. I I would like I would recommend it. Yeah. I think that's my final thought on it. If you're interested, if you like the book, give it a watch. We'll move on to our number four here. The ultimate dad movie, Master and Commander, Far Side of the World, uh, directed by Peter Weir, reigniting the love affair between the Academy and Russell Crowe. They took a year off of him, but they just couldn't fucking quit him. <laughs> oh, I get what you're saying. Yep. Because we had Gladiator, then A Beautiful Mind took one year, and they're back with, uh, <laughs> with Master Commander. I really enjoyed this movie, and I'm sad that it's only at four. <laughs> this movie's fantastic. I, I think it's like a really good epic. Like, it's a really good... You know, maybe it's slow at times, but like you don't really care because you just enjoy being on the boat with everybody. Uh, you get the wonderful relationship of Paul Bettany and Russell Crowe back. I don't know about you, but I spent a lot of time rooting for Paul Bettany to get to walk across the Galapagos Island. <laughs> yeah, he's so adamant about it. Like he just wants to go to the Galapagos. That's all he wants in life. Uh, that's a, It's like a really great movie. Like the battle scenes look good. Uh, and it was supposed to spark like a whole franchise and just, it just didn't make enough money, which is such a bummer. Cause this would have been a really fun franchise. Yeah. I, I, the movie definitely like succeeds or the place where it succeeds the most is just getting you to like a lot of these characters. And yeah, like a franchise would have been great. I think dads everywhere would have loved to see a franchise of this. The, the bromance between Paul Bettany and, and Russell Crowe in this movie uh is, is great I, I love those two <laughs> yeah i like this is a movie i think i could like throw on really whenever like i loved this movie i give it like four and a half stars i give all these movies a lot of stars and uh yeah it's just like such a fun movie i love the cover uh i love how when jennifer Connolly wins her oscar for beautiful mind they like show him at the oscars and you can see him growing out his hair for <laughs> master and commander i love his hair in master and commander and i love it's... how this movie I'm sorry. Uh, do, do you want to go ahead? Oh, I was just going to say it. It's quite the main. He he's got oh. an impressive, impressive hair set of hair. It's luscious, luscious. <laughs> it's dyed blonde for some reason, which <laughs> didn't make 
quite sense to me, but you know, I'm okay with it. The thing I love about this movie is uh, there's two dinner scenes where they're like drinking and being merry, and I feel like with most movies you get like one, and you're like, you know, I really I could have used another, and this movie gave you another. Yeah, and this movie like is is also always showing like all the guys on the ships like having a good time and like kind of messing around, which I like. And, um, you know, it, like, makes some of the scenes that are, like, a little bit sadder, like the kid losing his arm mm-hmm. or, you know, some of the people dying. It doesn't make it feel so, like, heavy that you, like, hate yourself for watching the movie. Yeah. I, I was happy about some of these. Yeah. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. No, I, 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 uh, I just, like, really like the movie. I think, I, I, you know, it's one of those I think anyone – could toss on and enjoy i don't think you need to necessarily like have an inkling of of like enjoyment of like a ship you just like need to like watching guys being dudes a little bit exactly like i i I don't know anything about boats so like most of the dialogue is them like screaming you know like where to turn the boat and things like that and i'm like i i got no idea Mm -hmm. i don't know what that means but i still enjoyed it anyway um the, the cinematography of this is really great too. All the all the ship battles especially look really cool because they're like in fog and then you'll just see stuff mm-hmm. like floating and things like that. I love that. Yeah, I also like that in like a lot of these like ship movies, uh, especially Greyhound for example, they, they, they really made sure you knew what each ship was and like who they were fighting for. Like they would have letters pop up and they would like make sure to tell you where you were. Master and Commander, I like really never really knew where they were until they got to the Galapagos and like other ships would show up and I'd be like, that's probably the enemy. Yeah. Like I didn't, I didn't even necessarily like understand as much why they wanted to keep attacking the ship as, but like other than j- just that Russell Crowe kind of felt like it, that was like all I needed, you know? <laughs> I love how they make their ship into like uh what do they do? I can't think of it again. They, like, make their ship dirty. What do they make themselves? They're, like, a fishing ship or something. You know what I'm saying? They're, like, a whaling. They make themselves a Yeah, a whaling. whaling ship. Yeah. And they, 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 they start, like, steering the boat, like, more wavy in order to make it, like, look like they're, they're whalers, too, that don't know, like, how to, how to drive the boat. I love that. Oh, God. And they had the big battle at the end. That movie's great. Yeah. I, I saw it, like, a month ago. That movie's great. It's, it's awesome. I was, I was so happy to watch it. Um. And as I keep mentioning, just a, like, world-class dad movie, you know, like, especially the Russell Crowe character. He's, like, this, like, somewhat quirky person that not everybody understands. But then when, when the call to action comes up, he's, he's like, ready to go. Mm-hmm. And he's, like, he's, like, issuing out, like, like swift uh, but fair discipline and things like that. And he's just, like, the stoic leader. Which I think all dads think they are. Which, oh yeah, and he's like understated. And he's like, you can tell that he's like seen things, and like all dads are like, I've seen some things. <laughs> all that, all dads are like, I'm really two steps ahead on the chessboard, even if you don't think it. Like I remember when I dealt with this back in '95. Yeah, I've been through this rodeo. <laughs> it's just great. Um, also, just one thing that I want to say that is just really disgusting is when he performs surgery on himself, Paul Bettany. Mm. That uh, I don't think I'll be forgetting that for a while. 
No, like, I think half of the movie, I just, like, don't really understand what kind of a doctor he is. And then suddenly he's, like, <laughs> doing full-blown surgery on himself. And I'm like, whoa. It's like, is he a vet? Is he a surgeon? <laughs> um, is he all of the above? Pretty much. <laughs> uh, so this movie, it got a lot of love from the Academy nominations-wise. Um, it got ten nominations, two wins. Um, they did not win for this category we're going to talk about. This is a loaded category, and I wanted to, to highlight it. Um, so for Best Director, it was Peter Jackson, one for Lord of the Rings. Um, I, I believe it's Fernando Murray for City of God uh, was nominated. Um, Sofia Coppola for Lost in Translation was nominated. Peter Weir for this movie. And then Clint Eastwood for Mystic River. Honestly, all five of these people deserve to win it. I'm happy with them going with Peter Jackson, but if Peter Weir won this somehow too, I, I wouldn't be mad at that at all. Yeah, I'm happy they I'm happy specifically they found a way to give Coppola some credit by giving her original screenplay. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, this movie is directed. I think this movie is directed like really well. And I think if you have a different director, it's not nearly as good because it somehow stayed incredibly focused the whole time, even though it had no right to be. Uh, and I, yeah, that's a good point. That, that That's just like, I mean, that's a good point. Like, I think he definitely deserved this Oscar, but like at the end of the day, I mean, it's about time they gave Peter Jackson the damn Oscar for Lord of the Rings. Exactly. Yeah, I feel the exact same way. This movie did, though, did make me, Peter Weir did such a good job, like, directing this. It did make me go on my letterbox. And, like, because I had seen, I'd seen The Truman Show, which he had directed. Mm. Yep. Um, and then there's one other one here that I've seen that I really like. Oh, oh, Dead Poets Society is also oh. him. Um, and I was like, you know, I'm going to go in and add some more of his movies to my like watch list on Letterbox because I was like, I need to watch more of this guy's movies. He's a good director. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, what? Wait, what was their what award did they get? Did they get like costume or something? I believe that they got cinematography and then sound yeah. editing. Oh, I'm also kind of disappointed that Russell Crowe didn't get a Best Actor nomination. Yeah, I know. I he's great in this movie. I don't think that there's no acting nominations for this. Sadly. Um, yeah, we'll get the best actor eventually, but I feel like there's a couple people here you could just like. I mean, I've, I haven't even heard of two of these movies before we started doing this whole Oscar thing. Yeah, yeah, no, I feel like this is a, a, a performance that's maybe stood the test of time more than Great. some of the other ones. Well, more than the we... other pirate, I think. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Let's move on to number three here. Um, Number three is a movie that we've already covered on this pod, so we're not going to get into it. Number three is Lost in Translation. Uh, We have a whole podcast where we talked about Lost in Translation and Tootsie, which are both great movies. And yeah, I mean, we've talked about Lost in Translation at great length. We both love it. It's definitely one of my favorite movies ever. Uh, Beautiful looking movie. Awesome chemistry between Bill Murray and Scarlett Johansson. A great performance from Bill Murray. Uh, it's a really well-written movie, hence it got original screenplay for Coppola, which we got to talk about her speech. She was so awkward. It looked like she had never spoken to a person in her life. <laughs> and also when she won when she won the Oscar, they made a big deal about this. It's like the first time, it was like three generations of Oscar winners. Oh, wow. 
but yeah, this is a great movie. If you if you want to hear us talk about it at like great length, I think it was May fourteenth or May twenty first. We did it one of our like third sec, third or fourth episodes. Uh, yeah, I don't really know what else to say about Lost in Translation that we haven't talked in deep length about. Yeah, no, me either. Um, go back and listen to that podcast. Bear with us through the, all the technical difficulties uh, we were having. <laughs> um, but there was no technical difficulties on Lost in Translation. It's a great movie. Um, Sofia Coppola won Best in Original Screenplay over Denise R. Arcand for The Barbarian Invasion, Stephen Knight for Dirty Pretty Things, uh, Pixar for Finding Nemo. I'm just going to say Pixar because it's a whole slew of people. Uh, Jim, Naomi, and Kirsten Sheridan for In America. Um, yeah, just give it to Sofia Coppola here. Like, what are these movies? I've never heard of any of these movies besides Finding Nemo and uh, Lost in Translation. Is that on me, or is that uh? I don't think that's on you. I don't. <laughs> I think I've heard of In America. Yes, um, and I've never seen it. Um, but I don't know. I In America to me sounds like a very Oscarsy movie. I'm not necessarily shocked that they like decided to. <laughs> Toss a nomination that way, but I don't know. It doesn't stand out now. Oh, God. What is this? Who's in this? It's, uh, I haven't heard of these people. Adrian Martinez is in a good lord. Uh, okay. You know what? I don't want to talk about it in America. <laughs> yeah, no. We're, we're okay skipping that one, I think. Skipping that yeah, discussion. It's a fan. Uh, you know, Lost in Translation, fantastic movie. Highly recommend literally probably any other year this would be one or two for us mm-hmm. yeah no it's just like the other two on this list were just sort of like undeniable for the two of us and um that's not really a knock on lost in translation no i love lost in translation it's uh that's a five out of five from five out of five for me dog oh yeah we're gonna move to another five out of five for you True. um Mystic River at number two. I know that you love this movie. Um, do you want to talk about it for a little bit? I think the two things... Oh, I had two. Well, I think the first thing that's most important to me why I love this movie is this movie could very easily lose you in the first hour because there's really not a whole lot happening besides they kind of set the stage. for They basically set the stage for the last hour. But there's the scene where Fishburne and Bacon kind of interview Laura Linney and uh, Sean Penn. And there's a lot like going on in that scene that at the time you don't really think any of it matters, but it's kind of foreshadowing the rest of the movie. Mm-hmm. Because like you're kind of like mad that Lawrence Fishburne's like grilling Sean Penn about being in jail, but like that ends up being like incredibly important to the whole plot of the movie. And there's like they start like giving you a couple cracks about like how that like day when uh, Tim Robbins character got thrown in the car is still like a very big thing for both of them in their lives. Uh, I think this movie is full of great performances. The only performance I have a couple issues with, I think Laura Linney's hamming it up a little bit too much. Yeah, she's not she's not great in the movie, <laughs> uh, especially like she's normally acting with Sean Penn in scenes who is doing a really great job yeah <laughs> and so it just doesn't like it doesn't reflect well on her <laughs> it's funny because sean penn wins best 
actor in a leading role. I don't, I don't mean to step on our Oscar toes, but I think his performance is more of like a supporting actor role because it's kind of one of those things. Like he's definitely in the movie enough to win leading actor. But I think one of the things about his role that I love is like his scenes. He's a freaking powerhouse. His scenes are incredible. He is like, I, I know you definitely probably have a nice impersonation for us coming up. But the scene where he's in the bar, like right before he kills Tim Robbins, like you are just feeling the energy of what Sean Penn brings when you walk into a room in that scene. And it, it's incredible. I, I like how I don't know what he did or, or if this was something that Clint said to everybody or what. But like when Sean Penn like walks into a room, you like can feel it on like the other characters, which is really great. And like he, he kind of carries it so well. And it's interesting to like see that in the rest of the movie when you start and the first time you meet, you know, adult Sean Penn, uh, because you do see the kid version of him. But like the first time you see him as an adult, um, he's very like relaxed and just chilling in his like back office and he just kind of seems normal. And then slowly, the further on you go, you just realize like, oh, this guy is like somebody to be feared in the community for sure. He, like, runs Boston. And I love how – I love the end of the movie. The last hour of that movie is just, like, kind of perfect. And mm-hmm. I love, like, the very, very end of it when, like, after he's killed Tim Robbins and, like, he's kind of – like, he's a total mess about it. Laura mm-hmm. Linney's still like, you're the king of this city. Yeah. You are the man. And he's just like, all right, I guess I am. <laughs> yeah, Laura Linney at the, at the end where she's, like, just see – like, he's standing in front of the window, window and she's like, She's basically like doing the Hulk. Like I see this as an absolute win, <laughs> you know. And, uh, it's like, oh my god, Jesus Christ! Uh, speaking of other interesting wives, can I like Marcia Gay Harden is wonderful, just fantastic as Tim Robbins' wife. She's kind of the worst wife in the history of movies. Seriously, she gets him <laughs> killed. It's like, on her word that that he kills her. He kills him. Like, your husband is dealing with these, like, a traumatic emotional experience. And your immediate thought is, he probably killed Sean Penn's daughter. And he's watching movies about vampires this late at night? (laughs) Oh, the end of the movie. Oh, my God. When Kevin Bacon's, like, reunited with his wife. I don't understand the whole point of that. And uh, Sean Penn with, like, his wife. And she's just walking around. She sees her son who's, like, super sad. And she's just, like, frantic because she realized what she did. Yeah, I do love the gun pointing scene. Yeah, I was gonna, I was gonna say when he just like does a little like, I was like, oh, that's so cool. Yeah, Mystic I agree. Mystic River Two. <laughs> Mystic River Two. It's just a domestic drama between Kevin Bacon and his wife. It's Kevin Bacon like chasing down Sean Penn. That would be great. Oh, it's like the Fugitive. Yes, <laughs> that would be awesome. Boston Fugitive. I'm in. <laughs> um. So this movie, uh, I, I, before we get on to nominations, um, I have this down uh, as a question here. Lawrence Fishburne in this movie, good detective or bad detective? I think I'm leaning bad detective. I think for me at first, I was like, this guy's kind of doing a crappy job. But then like as the movie kind of goes on, I'm kind of like, you know, I feel like I kind of get where he's going with this. But like end of the day, uh. It's funny because 
he kind of gets credit throughout the movie from like the Savage Brothers from like, you know, the cops are really on this one. Like they've they've been showing up to people too. And I'm yeah. like, you know, if the, if the Savage Brothers think he's doing a good job, who am I? <laughs> I just like he has such a hard on for Dave in this movie. Like he's just constantly like going after Tim Robbins in every scene. Like he just wants it to be that guy. And I'm like, Jesus, come off it, man. I do. <laughs> oh, that's another great scene. Like when they are uh Bacon and Lawrence Fishburne are uh, interrogating Tim Robbins' character. That's a great scene. Uh, Tim Robbins probably won his Oscar for that scene right there. He's phenomenal in that scene. Sort of like, I've never seen Tim Robbins be like creepy before, but he is in this movie. And like, especially in that scene, like uh, where he's, uh, where, where Lawrence Fishburne is trying to be like, well, how'd all this blood get in your car? And he's just like, well, it got it got stolen, and uh, you know something must have happened between when it got stolen and when it got found. And then he just turns to Kevin Bacon and he's like, "Any update on that sprite there?" Oh, that's amazing. <laughs> and then Bacon just like rips Fishburne to shreds out of yeah. the two. God, I love the other thing I love about this movie that I want to just mention real quick. I think this movie could also be really bad because there's a lot going on in it at like at mm-hmm. certain points until finally it just becomes like the two main stories at the very end. And somehow this movie keeps a super consistent tone. And mm-hmm. I think that's super admirable. Like it never tries to be funny. It never like tries to do like weird things. It's just like, it just lays it all out of you. It's a super sad story, but it's like really fun to watch. Something like this too. When I, I remember that when I, when I first saw the scene where they're kids and I was kind of like in my own head, I was like, oh no. Because normally movies where they don't know how to tell a character trait about somebody and they start with them as kids, normally that scene ends up being one of the worst scenes. You know, mm-hmm. like like Seabiscuit is a good example where they they wanna they they wanna show how how Toby Maguire knows all the like Shakespeare quotes and things like that. So then they just have the like shoehorn thing in where he's like reading the or he's like reciting Dickens to his dad, you know, like it, it can easily get that like cheesy, but in this movie, like because of what happens to them when they're young is, is like reverberates so much uh, throughout what happens in the movie. It's actually a really haunting scene. And it's one of the standouts. <laughs> uh, yeah. That scene is amazing. Uh, and you're completely correct. The the beginning of sea biscuits is kind of a train wreck because like they see him making like two bucks riding horses and then all of a sudden they're like you're gonna go live with this man and i'm like did i miss a scene yeah yeah it's like <laughs> he made two dollars he's only made two bucks <laughs> that's about a million dollars i think if you do the uh exchange rates over time uh, <laughs> it must be he must have been like uh it, it must have been like getting you know like a big minor league contract or something <laughs> that's Those harsh two those two dollars i agree though i think the opening of the movie uh for uh uh mystic river is really good and i love like the classic boston motif of having two guys talking about baseball yeah oh my god yeah oh the red Sox, <laughs> and then also when when the, the when dave sees sees uh uh emmy rossum's character in the bar and they're talking about the socks too so he's just like, eh, I don't think they have what they got, what what it takes to win it this year, though. 
<laughs> so typical. That's such a typical Boston move. It's like in the bedroom when like they literally make sure the radio is always on and Tom Wilkinson's like in his car listening to games. Turn it to the Sox game. <laughs> <laughs> it's not on. It was over a while ago. They got an encore on. Yeah, they do reruns on Channel 98. <laughs> <laughs> so this movie um, got six nominations. It won two, um, one for Best Supporting Actor for Tim Robbins, and the one that we're going to highlight here, Best Actor in a Leading Role. Um, here were the nominees. So Sean Penn, obviously, for this. Johnny Depp for Pirates of the Caribbean, Dead Man's Chest, or... Is it the Curse of the Black Pearl or Dead Man's Chest? I can't remember. Black Pearl. Curse of the Black Pearl. Um, ben Kingsley for House of Sand and Fog, which I've never heard of before. Uh, Jude Law for Cold Mountain. Ooh. And then Bill Murray for Lost in Translation. Uh, what, a, what a weird group of, of nominees. A lot of names. Yeah. Yeah, a lot of names in movies that like are not their best other than maybe Bill Murray. And I think you could argue that this is one of Sean Penn's better movies. I think it's his most like impactful role that I've seen of his at least. Yeah, definitely. Like I feel really good uh, about uh, him winning this, especially um, because he has the, the, just the one truly iconic scene of, is that my daughter in there? Is that my daughter? So that seems really good. It's like over the top, but like he just found out his daughter died. So like I'm kind of good with it. Oh yeah. I I um I, I make fun of it only because it's so iconic. When, when you watch <laughs> the movie, you're into it though. Yeah, you're like, oh my god, like I feel that. It it it, it used to drive me nuts though that Netflix, if you hovered over Mystic yep. River when it was on there, that was the scene. And I'm like, that's yep. the scene. That's the scene. Come on. I hated that. Uh, a few a few notes that you didn't ask for. When Sean Penn won his Oscar, he got like a Leo-type standing ovation because this was his fourth nomination before he finally won. Ooh. It was like a whole thing. And then when Tim Robbins won his, his, his Oscar, I've never seen – you know how like when they win their Oscar, like they like kind of like shake a couple people's hands around them? Tim Robbins went like three rows back. He's like took one <laughs> hand, took another hand, and went like one more row back. That guy was just like – He's just like, this is my freaking Oscar. I like <laughs> Tim, Tim Robbins. Tim Robbins seems like a really nice guy. Like, I mean that in the best way possible. Like, I feel like Tim Robbins is a guy that you would want to like get a beer with. Yeah. Sean definitely. Penn. Sean Penn, uh, to me, feels like an alien. Uh, and yeah. he's also the guy that helped the police find El Chapo, which is probably my favorite trivia <laughs> fact about him. <laughs> That also, uh, well, go ahead. I was just going to say that, and in um, uh, in the new season of Curb Your Enthusiasm, he's in an episode uh, be- because he gets angry at a pet store owner, and he opens up a spite pet store, which I love. It's really funny. <laughs> also worth mentioning is this Cold Mountain movie that I've never heard of, but uh, that got our girl Renee Zellweger her Oscar finally. The finally the makeup Oscar for Bridget Jones Diary. True, uh, <laughs> but it was funny because she was nominated back to back years for leading role, and then she gets it for a supporting role. It was very strange when she won it. Her like husband or dad, I don't know. It really could have gone either way. 
would sit next to her and would like whisper to her for a while. She just kind of like sat there, like all excited. It's like Renee, get on stage, girl. Renee, like it, Renee, because she she's won twice now, right? For yep. for that and Judy, and like somehow manages to just like have very weird moments in each of them, in each of those like wins. Like I remember on in Judy, you know, like people afterward were like. What a baffling speech. <laughs> yeah. It's almost like Renee like heard the hate and just was like, fuck everybody. Yeah, true. That's true. You know what? Props to her for that then at least. She seems this like exercise has really made me just kind of like really like her. <laughs> like mm-hmm. really like her now. I you know what? Like I feel like people like rip on her, but she has good movies and she's good good and stuff. I'm sad that Judy was what won her best actress, but yeah, I feel like that's kind of like a theme, though, where, like, back in the day, like, let me let me just, I'm going to go on a real quick tangent. So, it seems like these movies that, like, these actresses get nominated for just, like, aren't movies that are even talked about or even, like, heard about 15 years later. Like, this year, you have Charlize Theron, who won for Monster, which uh, Adrian Brody gave out. Did you go back and watch Adrian Brody, Brody win his Oscar? No, oh, I haven't oh. yet. I- you got to do that because then he hams it up a whole bunch this year and Charlize goes up there and gives him a big kiss for the <laughs> Oscar. And then like, but also there's like a movie here called Whale Rider, then Back to In America, then 21 Grams. And it's just like these movies that I wonder if like the movies that get the best actress nominations now in 15 years, people are going to be like, what movie? With the exception of 21 Grams, um, which is the um, um, early movie from the director of Birdman. I, I feel like all all those movies that we just mentioned and then a lot of the movies that like win a Best Actress uh, Oscar are normally like ones where they've set aside where they're like, this is the like Best Actress uh, nominee this year. And it doesn't matter if it's a good movie because it at least has like a big female role. And then... You know, like we get there and it, and it's like, boy, for these nominees, I, I haven't seen the movie because I just heard the movie yeah. wasn't good, you know? Right. right. Even this year, like in 2020, you have Judy, which really wasn't a very good movie. And then you have Cynthia Revo for Harriet, a movie that I don't think is very good. There's, there's, there's definitely a great Harriet Tubman movie to be made. And that wasn't it. Marriage Story, I think, will live on, and Little Woman will live on. But then you got Bombshell, which I think can go either way. Mm-hmm. Bombshell, a Bombshell, I don't think will stand the test of time either. Um, I liked Bombshell, but like me too, it's it's want to be Big Short, and like that's yeah. that's frustrating. Um, yeah, no, and and honestly, it felt like this was like a packed year, and I'm doing air quotes here for like you know female. Uh, leading leading roles or 20 2020 ceremony was and even then like we're, we're sitting there and we're going like there's two roles that we all like there's there's one person that we think is going to win who did win which was renee and then we have cynthia revo who's is like a good actress in a bad movie and then like the last one you know and then and then bombshell is just like you could have you could have literally like taken a roulette wheel and like whichever you know what I mean, like it just doesn't feel like the same as like the male category right. because we're just not making good female-led movies yet. 
unfortunately. It was, just, it was just like we might as well make sure Charlize Theron shows up to our award show. She's not going to win. She knows she's not going to win. She's already won. Might as well just see if she wants to pop in. Exactly. <laughs> like uh, we we just want to give her a nomination for doing the SNL impression of Megyn Kelly. I'm curious what you think of uh, Harriet, though, if you ever see it. Like, it's not that bad. It's just it's one of those movies where, like, you don't, you never think about it again. Even when you're watching, you kind of lose interest. It sounds, it just seemed generic to it was. me. It was super generic. Well, uh, we'll move on to a movie that's not generic, um, that many ways set the, set the table for what people want to do with fantasy movies. Um, and that, of course, is Lord of the Rings, The Return of the King. Our best picture winner, the actual best picture winner, yep. just a great uh, punctuation mark, exclamation point on the end of the series. How did you feel about this movie? I loved it. I think it was my the the movie out of all the Lord of the Rings that I it was definitely my favorite, and I enjoyed it by far the most. Even though it's, I don't want to say by far the most. That makes it sound insane. I enjoyed it the most. I think it's uh, like kind of the perfect ending to any movie, any movie trilogy. Uh, I still love how even in the third movie, there's still like extreme character development. And I found myself just like really, like really into each of the different parts of this movie, whether it was like Aragorn and doing his thing. And then like, I loved watching, uh, it was okay. I got confused on the hobbits. I'll be honest. Uh, I loved Pippin and uh, Gandalf. Yes. Uh, I didn't really get what was going on. I'll be honest. The one thing I tried really hard to understand every part of this movie, but the one thing that I just couldn't get over is why was Denethor trying to kill his son? He was just like, I don't know what was up with him, but he was just all in his own head about shit. <laughs> he's, he's just uh, stricken with grief over, over Boromir. That was uh, the, the only, there's two things for me about this movie. I'm going to get them out of the way now that don't really work for me. Uh, they really hyped up the Witch King, and he dies pretty much the moment he shows up on screen. Which I don't know about the extended editions, but in the edition I watched, like he was like, "Ooh!" Like Gandalf was like, "Ooh, the Witch King," and you were like, "Oh, that guy's kind of scary looking. He looks like a Bionicle." And then <laughs> he dies like real quick. And then I thought the Ghost King thing was kind of weird. Yeah, uh, the the Ghost King stuff it feels like a cheat code to get to the end of that battle. If right. that makes sense, you know, like they're just like, and now we're here with these guys. And then they just kind of like run over everybody, yep. which is like a little bit disappointing. Um, I also like the, the thing that a lot of people knock and the thing that I'll knock, cause it does get to me is like the, like very self-indulgent, like multiple endings on this, you know, where it's like, you have you have them cast the ring into the fire, okay, uh, and then and then you have them get picked up by the eagles, okay, and then you have them at at Rivendell once they've all healed. That feels like an okay, you know, spot. And then you you know you just like you keep getting more and more, you know, like everybody kneeling down to them, uh, them back in in the Shire, and it's like okay, we don't need like. 14 end scenes here like we 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 do get it we do get it <laughs> yeah it definitely like dragged it like 20 more minutes like probably like 10 more minutes than it needed to but like 
you know, end of the day, I don't know how much it really bothered me because I was like, this is just such a great trilogy. Did I really want it to end? Not really. So it might as well just keep ending. But I def- for me, the moment that I think it should have ended, I'll, I'll agree with the Sean Fennessy's review, is it definitely should have just ended when they bowed down to the Hobbits. As much as I did enjoy Samwise Gamgee's wedding, though. Yeah, that's true. I do like that bit. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll read. So we're both listeners of the big picture. And um, so we follow Sean Fennessy on Letterboxd. And uh, he left a review that I thought is like pretty uh, apt for if you are not the biggest fan of Return of the King. Or not, not, not the biggest. If you don't think it's the best one, I guess. Um, so he said, uh, I have no idea why this film has six different co- conventional endings. And I think the only one that wor- truly works is when all of the humans, elves, and wizards kneel before the four hobbits at the end. And Jackson zooms out, revealing the ultimate respect for our smallest heroes. There's a lot of stuff that sort of doesn't make sense. Why are the orcs and Urukai? adversarial when they are both under the sway of Sauron, but the payoff on the journey makes this easily the most satisfying of the Big Ten trilogies, and even by Oscar terms, it's perfect that the weakest of the three films is the one that was awarded Best Picture. Um, I don't know if I agree that this is like, I I think that it's like, to me, it's neck and neck between Two Towers and, and Return of the King, but I do think those are fair gripes, and I wouldn't feel right not mentioning them, I guess. I think this trilogy gets better with each movie. Uh, and that might just be like my movie watching habits where I much prefer like character development over like, here's everybody. Like, here's all our characters, which on like Fellowship of the Ring doesn't do that, but like they kind of have to. Yeah. Because there's so many characters. But I, I think, uh, I think this, just my, this is just my favorite movie. And like, I understand all the different like gripes with it, but like, it's a three hour and 20 minute movie. I don't really know what else, like, you know, there's going to be things wrong with it. I don't really understand one of his points, probably because I just didn't really fully understand all the names of the groups and like <laughs> everyone attacking each other. But uh, I like the action in this movie. And I really like the scenes when the elephant shows up. I think the movie yeah. just like, you can't take your eyes off it. Where they, where they take it down and, uh, it, and Ghibli's still just like, still only counts as one. <laughs> <laughs> I loved Legolas. He was a uh, he was a cool character. Uh, Legolas and Gimli and Aragorn, like those three, are like the big winners of the trilogy. I feel like you just come out of it and you're like, those are the three fucking coolest characters ever. <laughs> Who's your goat? Who do you think is like the greatest of all time? Like, who do you think, if they were just eliminated from the story, ruins the whole thing in terms of they don't save the day? Who's the most important character you think? Of of the of those three or of the no whole... everybody the whole the whole thing. So I feel like I feel like if we lose Frodo, Sam can deliver the ring. To, to so you know I think we could lose Frodo. Sam, I think we probably need him, but he's not the most important. I don't know. It's got to be Gandalf, right? Because personally, I think it's Sam. Really? Okay. I I think I think Sam like really carries the load in the third movie. Like, who cares what Legolas and Aragorn and Gandalf are doing? Like, if if That's Sam true. can't drag Frodo to get that ring off him, it's all for naught. Yeah, 
yeah no like it's it's hard with those like it's hard to not like i like the character of frodo but it's hard to not just sit there and be like it should have just been sam all the way you know (laughs) (laughs) he just seems very like pure of soul he he would have delivered that thing (laughs) he just wanted some he just wanted some some bread exactly and and Gollum's just trying to Gollum's a duplicitous little taint and he's he's trying to get Frodo to turn on him yep i i enjoyed in uh i enjoyed in this movie how like Merry and Pippin went from just like hanging out with a tree to like having like real plot movements in this movie yeah yeah no like um i i never remember their names uh is it Merry that rides into battle with the with the female soldier yes. who eventually kills the Nazgul. I, yes. I love his little bit and where he like stabs the guy in the, in the, he like shanks him in the, in the hamstring or whatever. And then she stabs him in the head. That bit's yeah. so good. I, I love that. I, I love so much of this movie. Movie. Did you recognize that actor? He's been lost. Yeah. Also, did you see that the other, uh, if that's Mary, is that Mary? Mm-hmm. Uh, Pippin is in, um, Master and Commander. What? Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah, it was funny. I was like, oh, shit, there he is. That's awesome. Oh, man, I uh, I really liked it. I'm, I'm happy this like, gave me an excuse to finally watch The Lord of the Rings. They're all good movies. And, like, you know, this... So I have here, like, is this really a strange, strange Best Picture winner? And I, I would honestly say no, because, like, it's just undeniable. This is the best movie of this year. You know right. what I mean? Right. And it's about time that they give one of them the award, and it might as well be the last one. So. Yeah, exactly. Like, it, 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 it's like a satisfying conclusion. May as well give it the best picture, uh, like, to the conclusion. Um, this movie, very decorated. 11 nominations, won every category, which. <laughs> Never been done that many. That's insane. That's awesome, though. I love that. <laughs> you know, I'm kind of surprised they didn't find an actress in supporting role for Liv Tyler. She's great. Yeah, come on. Where's the Kate <laughs> Blanchett uh, supporting actress one? Is this the only... I'm going I'm to give you a really mean question. I hope Liv Tyler is not listening. Is this the only role of Liv Tyler's you like? Oh, man. Uh can't stand her it's uh I, I i don't know how to describe my feelings towards her character in in uh armageddon i i guess yes <laughs> she is uh she's terrible in the hulk yeah she's not good the incredible hulk. hulk i'm sorry and then she's in this movie called the strangers which the second one is much better but the first strangers movie she's uh it's a horror movie where basically like these people break into the house and try to kill her She's not great. The movie's not great, to, to be completely fair to her. But, uh, you know, it must be nice to have a famous dad. She's out here doing her best. And, you know, that's, that's admirable, at least. I do think it's funny that she's in these movies because that does not seem to be, like... I, I feel like she's, like, a nerd dude, like, crush, which is oh, funny yeah. to me because, like, she doesn't particularly seem to be, like... Maybe she is, and I just don't know, but she doesn't particularly seem to be, like, in into the whole Lord of the Rings thing, I guess, would be the way I would put it. 
No, not at all. Not not at all. And also props to us. This is the first time that we've agreed with the Academy on Best Picture. Yeah. Took four and, tries. Oh, yeah. You know what? That's, uh, that's about as accurate as how the Academy you know, gets things right, you know? <laughs> Looking ahead, we actually might start getting a little closer to the Academy, but we'll see. We'll, we'll see when we get there. At least we know that, like, once we get to 2020 – um parasite you know i'm i certainly agree with the academy on that one <laughs> yeah i'm definitely going to give give a nice uh, speech about once upon a time in hollywood Ooh, an excuse to rewatch that i'm down oh yeah um oh i i'm pumped to keep going forward uh with our oscars but let's 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 uh finish our vegetables here um we'll talk about the rest of the movies of 2003 which i uh, in compiling this list was a rough year in movies, it looks like. Um, so we had City of God, RIP to our research department. Gotta Big screen of this. Yeah. You're fired, uh, researcher to be named. Because um, City of God was not released in 2002. It's released in 2003. Um, you have Lost in La Mancha, the documentary about uh terry gilliam's failed uh don quixote movie that just came out two years ago a year or two ago this is a really entertaining documentary though um you have how to lose a guy in 10 days daredevil agent cody banks got holes digging out uh, oh digging (laughs) um x2 uh the x-men movie uh so this this was weird to me. According to Wikipedia, Matrix Reloaded and Matrix Revolutions came out in the same year. They did. Um, yikes. Oh, these two movies are not good. Um, and we'll move on from there. Um, we have Finding Nemo, uh, which you can hear us talk about on the Pixar draft. Uh, Too Fast, Too Furious. Uh, Hulk with Eric Bana, the first Hulk. Uh, which is not a good movie. Not the first Hulk. Well, there's that's the Luke. That's the unconnected Hulk. That's true. That's true. The unconnected Hulk. I I I, I couldn't not. Uh, I can't believe I, I didn't. I forgot about the Lou Ferrigno Hulk as well on TV. <laughs> yeah. Um. You have Charlie's Angels Full Throttle. Not a movie I'm going to be talking about. Um. The Room. The classic, so bad it's good movie, The Room with Tommy Wiseau, um, Pirates of the Caribbean, Dead Man's Chest, Bad Boys 2, The Height of Bayhem. Uh, that is not the second part of the title. That's just how I feel about it. Should be. You watched uh, a Laura Croft Tomb Raider movie here. I, I watched the first one. I'm, I'm very excited for the second one. It looks like horseshit. Can't wait. <laughs> yeah, those movies, not great. Another not great movie, Geely. Uh, starring Ben Affleck and Jennifer Lopez. Ugh. Have you ever uh, seen the movie that's like based off of Gigi? Mm-mm. The movie's trash. It won an Oscar. <laughs> 1959, I think, it won Best Picture. It's not good. I'll have to do a double feature of just like hating oh on God. it. Um, we have the torture porn classic Cabin Fever also came out this year. Um, you have the movie starring The Rock, The Rundown, directed by Peter Berg. Uh, School of Rock. Uh, we're getting into some better stuff now. School of Rock uh, came out this year. 
Uh, Kill Bill Volume 1 came out this year. Shattered Glass, which is an interesting movie starring Hayden Christensen about a uh, fraudulent reporter. Um, We have Christmas classics Elf, Love Actually, and for my mom especially on this last one, Bad Santa. Um, And then we have two sort of indie uh, movies here. We have 21 Grams from Alejandro Gonzalez Iñárritu and then the station agent from Tom McCarthy. So, you know, you have the directors of uh, Birdman and uh, Spotlight, respectively, releasing two pretty good movies um, this year. But, you know, this is a pretty weak year. Uh, I don't know how you feel about it. Yeah, like, Kill Bill Volume 1 is, like, one of my favorite movies ever. So, like, I'm, I'm thrilled to see that. And... Uh... How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days is pretty good. Actually, I don't know if you've seen that. Movie's kind of I have. It's okay. I like yeah, it enough. It's, it's pretty fun. I, you know, I, I have enough fun. Bad Boys 2 is like not even... I don't even know if that's like a movie. That's just, just like a different form. That's a different medium of entertainment. That's an experience right there. You know, other than that, it's just like a bunch of movies. <laughs> I don't know what to say. Yeah. Uh, Scary Movie 3 is terrible. I don't know if you mentioned that. It's not a very good movie at all. Yeah, Scary Movie 3 is horrible, came out this year. Um, is so if if you were gonna if you were gonna do your own, you know, if you could go up to ten with nominees for Best Picture here, would you what would you change? Would you change much? Uh, I'd probably just lose Seabiscuit, put put Kill Bill Volume One in there and just call it. I think I, I definitely would have I definitely would do all of that, I would lose Biscuit, put Kill Bill Volume 1 in there. Um, I actually, since they were nominating 21 Grams, give 21 Grams some love. Um, I'd love to see School of Rock get a nomination, oh too. <laughs> <laughs> that, would, that would be it, though. That would be it for me. What about Holes? Uh, I, you know, I'm going to say something that... Um, uh, that I don't tell many people. I've never seen Holes. I have only heard the soundtrack. Peak John Voight. It's not Peak John Voight. <laughs> Peak John Voight is Anaconda, and it's not even close. <laughs> but it's uh... uh Go ahead. Sorry. Holes is Holes is really boring. Uh, it's one of those movies that you watch as a kid, and you're like, "This movie's kind of awesome." And then you watch it when you're like, like eighteen, and you're like, "Oh boy, this is long." <laughs> That's that's why I haven't watched it. Is like everybody our age is like, holes. You should have seen this, man. Right. You're a filmmaker major. Like why why? And I'm like, I never saw it as a kid, and I, I guarantee that this is like Space Jam, where. Oh, I like Space Jam. <laughs> I love Space Jam, but I grew up watching Space Jam. Like I I if I if I went into Space Jam at the age of 23, I would be like, what am I watching? <laughs> Well, I did that, except at the age of 22, and I, I, uh, I'd never seen Space Jam until, like, like a couple months ago. I actually really liked it. I love Looney wow. Tunes, so it was, like, it was very simple for me to enjoy Space Jam. Good on you, at least. I'm glad. I'm, I'm glad to hear it at least held up for you. <laughs> um, I think that about does it for us with the year 2003 in movies. Uh, Wolf, do you want to let the folks know what we will be doing next week? We're going to do a movie club, and if you have Hulu, you can join us and watch My Cousin Vinny. Yeah. 
We can, you know, we'll get some fun Oscars discussion in on this one too, because there's the whole controversy about Marissa Tomei winning that we can sort of discuss here. I love her. I'm, I'm always willing to talk about Marissa Tomei. Me too. Me too. I'm looking forward to it. <laughs> well, everybody, thanks for joining us here on a, another long one of the five-star yeah, no. podcast um, for the 2004 Oscars. We'll see you next week for my cousin Vinny's. Thank you so much, everybody. Bye-bye. Bye, everybody. Bye.